This month's episode of Paranormal Heart is brought to you by Nodakian Studios. If you're looking for a beautiful piece of stoneware pottery, check out Nodakian Studios at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Nodakian Studios. And also check her out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Nodakian Studios, where you can see updates on where she's going to be, as well as giveaways. Go check it out. Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward, along with a special segment, Oddities with John Mallard. Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart, your monthly paranormal podcast, where you will find new episodes on the last Sunday of each month at 6 p.m. Eastern. You can find Boo and I on Podbean, YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SparkRadioNet.Work, Paranormal Radio, as well as IamDarkWaters.com each Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern. And don't forget to show the love and help support the show by clicking that subscribe button, comment, and share on YouTube or follow on Podbean or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. If you have topics you'd like me to discuss or have a guest suggestion, just drop me an email at paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. Also, if you had a paranormal experience, you know you're not alone. It really does help to talk about them. So send me a message and we can discuss them. And if you feel comfortable talking about them on the show, I'd love to have you on. I'd like to take a moment to dedicate this episode to David Guddy. You may remember him as my guest in January. Sadly, I found out recently he had passed away a few months ago. David, you were such an amazing guest. I absolutely loved your book. I thank you for being my guest and taking the time to write your experiences and putting them into such a wonderful book. I hope you now have found the answers to the things you and I had discussed. Rest in peace, my friend. Before I get to my next guest... Here is this month's oddities with your favorite, John Mallard. Let's see what weird and wonderful things John has found for us. Over to you, John. Hey, oddballs. Welcome to this month's oddities. Strange facts about an odd, odd world that are very, very true. Take out the papers and the trash. Oh, you won't have no spending cash. And when you're finished doing that, Check out this month's oddities, cat. Man, at the... Like, you want to hear about some weird, weird professions? Well, my job is quite normal compared to this stuff. How about a morning clown? That's right. Odd jobs. That's what the oddities are this month. Morning clown. An Irish company called Dead Happy Ireland sends out their morning clowns to wakes and funerals. Yeesh. 
The clowns make balloon animals, squirt water out of their corsages, stumble toward the open casket, and if they're going to fall in, and fart at inappropriate times. Says founder John Brady, I've been to so many funerals, and they're always so sad. Wouldn't it be nice to have something funny happen? The cost is a mere 150 euros, or about 220 bucks, adjusted to about 240 Canadian. Ladies and gentlemen, you could have your own morning clown show up at your funeral. You might want to kill them all with laughter. <laughs> Here's another odd job for you. Dog poop picker upper. God. This used to be a job exclusively for neighborhood teenagers who needed to earn a little money. But today, dog paw removal is big business. For example, Poop Patrol in San Diego has a fleet of trucks and workers who specialize with extraction tools. Their motto, we're always on duty. <laughs> I love it. How about a gross stunt producer? Here's an interesting one. Thinking up new and detestable ways to make reality show contestants and viewers cringe, these people create and sample eyeball soups, maggot slushies, and other foul food. If it can't be kept down, said Fear Factor production assistant Joe Silberman, then perhaps it's not edible. Good God. Good God. How about a gumbuster? When there's something strange stuck to the sole of your shoe, who are you going to call? Gumbusters! Equipped with a contraption similar to a rug cleaner, Gumbusters will superheat the sticky goo so it can be easily washed and vacuumed off the floor or sidewalk. They're in great demand in most major cities, except in Singapore, where chewing gum is actually illegal. Of course, this would be my dream job as a small child, as, you know, I probably chewed a lot of gum from under tables when I was a baby. And a lot of lead paint, more than likely. But you already knew that from listening to me. A lazy boy chair tester. Sounds like a cushy desk job to me. This job is not quite as easy as it sounds. You can work out quite a sweat, though, after the first hour or two, says Mike Pixley, who rocks back and forth up to 2,800 times per shift at the Lazy Boy factory in Monroe, Michigan. Though he only earns $6 an hour, this motivated self-starter, as his friends refer to him, appreciates the great workout for his calves and abdominal muscles. How about a chicken sexer? These skilled hatchery workers must separate baby chicks from gender. Females will become egg layers. Males are saved for later consumption or breeding purposes or disposed of. How do the sexers determine gender? Well, first to get them half-hammered and ask them why they crossed the road. Was it for a guy or a, guy or a gal? No, man. Sometimes by the appearance of the feathers, but most often by squeezing the chick until its anal vent opens up. A little bump means it's a male. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And here's the job that I used to have. A professional condom tester. Jurex in Australia recruits men of all sizes to try their products and give feedback on comfort and durability. While it's not a paying job, testers receive 60 bucks worth of Jurex products, and one lucky guy wins a $1,000 bonus. And for the ladies, there's a job called tampon tester. But we won't get into that until sometime next month when we're back with more oddities. <laughs> get that next month <laughs> period joke. Hey, I, I, I tried, okay? I tried. I tried. Back to you, Kat. Thanks, John. My next guest has an interesting background. He has 15 years in sleep disorders and respiratory therapy medicine, treatment, administration, and one-on-one -on -one patient care. He has given hospital educational workshops and public formal talks on sleep disorders. He also has a near-death experience that he will share with us. He's a paranormal storyteller and podcaster. You can find a show, Chasing the Truth, on IamDarkWaters.com. So please help me welcome Sean Graham. Hey, Sean. Welcome to Paranormal Heart. 
Hey, thanks, Kat, for having me on board. Appreciate I'm really glad offer. you're. I'm really glad you're able to finally make it. We've had to reschedule how many times now? <laughs> uh, what a half a dozen times, maybe. Yeah. I guess. If it's not storms, it's technical difficulties. All right. All right. So, um, what in the world do you want to talk to me about? Well, I know you have had near-death experience, and I haven't had that topic on my show yet, and I find that very intriguing, so I thought maybe, if you don't mind, we could talk about that. Mm, sure. Well, one of the things that um, uh, I need a preference is actually how I got into uh, the near-death experience. One of the things I, I did was I set up um, a bacterial infection in my left leg called necrotizing fasciitis. And um, or the flesh-eating bug that you hear every once in a while. I've heard about three or four stories mm-hmm. so far this year in national news in the United States about it. And uh, over a course of a week, when I first I was in a car accident, that was my fault, and I injured my left leg and set up this big, huge hematoma, which is a really deep bruise on my left, mm-hmm. right below my left knee. And over a course of a week, it got worse and worse. And as I wound up over that course of a week, I set up sepsis, which is a, a whole body infection, blood infection mm-hmm. from it. And my left leg at the seventh day, which was on November 17th of 2015, when I went into the hospital to have the leg removed, I was in the, hos- in the emergency room. Uh, a, a hospital I had worked at knew most of the people there, even knew the doctor that actually did surgery on me, knew him for about a decade, give or take. And uh, I said, all I uh, said, uh, said my piece to everybody that I talked to, my sister and my brother, and uh, the doctor that did the surgery on me said, uh, I'll push some drugs on you that uh, is going to eliminate your ability to make decisions. So who do you want to be your caretaker? And I named my sister, obviously. And uh, uh, the next thing I know, I started feeling sleepy. And I drifted off to sleep. And it was like I got sucked into this black void forever and a day. And I can tell you, after this, time itself was there, but it wasn't. It was just a, uh, it had some meaning, but then again, it didn't have any meaning like it does here. And mm-hmm. I was floating in this black void for, I don't know how long, but it seemed like forever. And then it seemed like it was just a moment of time. And um, it, there's so much of this near-death experience that occurred because I was in a coma from that point forward for about 12 days, 11, 12 days, if uh, memory serves. I've only had, I've been told once, and I never asked again. I need to ask my sister again how many days I was in the coma, but it was almost two weeks in the coma. And I had such an extensive uh, near-death experience. But the start of it uh, was really weird. I have not come across anybody that had uh, this particular (coughs) start to it. Everybody... uh, winds up well the most popular thing is the the light tunnel and you get surrounded by all, the, you know, all your loved ones and stuff mm-hmm. or a lot of people that didn't happen to me really uh, yeah that was that's the weird thing i've actually uh, had a lady uh marilyn hughes from the out of body uh, foundation mm-hmm. 
Uh, if you're in interested in out-of-body near-death experiences, that's one of the things. The other other thing that I may need to reach out to is Virginia, um, the state of Virginia, Virginia uh, College of Medicine has a near-death uh, department that you know looks at these. I may reach out to them and may talk to them. I don't know. But the start was I was in floating in this void. It's like if you've ever been in a cave and it's really dark, but mm-hmm. you still have that surrounding sensation of uh, cool air, hot air, or mm-hmm. know, even hear the your voice echo. I can remember uh, being very aware of my surroundings and yelling, but not hearing an echo of my voice or anything like that. There was no other uh, stimuli there other than me being aware that I was awake in this dark void. Then, uh, however long it took... The first uh, stimulus that I had was I saw this big, huge eye open up in front of me. It wasn't attached to a body. It was just like this eye in the dark just opened up. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of, yeah, I wouldn't say it was glowing, but it was illuminating light to a certain extent so I could see it. And the eye, the iris, uh, was not a human iris. It was a, instead of having horizontal, or, you know, the the round oval kind of mm-hmm. looking iris. It was a slit that was vertical, like a lizard or a, a, repti- a, rep- a reptile. A reptile, yeah. Yeah. It opened up, and I'm like, what in the hell is that? <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. And um, then it slowly closed, and then for I was in that void for a while again, and then that eye opened up and another eye opened up but it wasn't next to each other but it was i liken it to uh if you've ever seen the the third matrix where uh uh, neo goes in to see uh, that guy surrounded by these tv screens all around oh right yes yeah you know you've seen but I, i wasn't seeing my life in these tv screens i was seeing these eyeballs that look reptilian to me and eventually, those two eyes closed, and it happened again, and then more eyes opened up and in succession over a course of how long it was. I was surrounded like I was in the middle of this big globe. I was in the middle of this big globe and surrounded 360 in a globe with these eyes open and closing. And then I heard... Uh, questions like uh, why did you do this or why did you do that and I'm I'm thinking well okay I'm <laughs> in the death process so why not ask them because they were so pre- the questions were so specific like uh, why did you take your uh, Mustang and do yeah. this you know I had one of my first cars was a blue Mustang from 72 I think it was a little four-cylinder and one of the first questions was about that that Mustang, and I'm like, okay, why not? So I went through this question answer. It's sort of like a review of my life, but it was like, why did you do this? Why did you do that? Hmm. And I don't know how long that went on, and I was, you know, quite content to answer the questions because, heck, I was dead anyway from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Then I got to the point where the... If you've ever uh, watched the movie, I know I'm referencing movies, but it, it kind of puts it in, in, in point. But uh, Sissy Spacek had this movie called Coal Miner's Daughter. Yes. 
Yeah, uh, the scene where uh, uh, the community where uh, I can't remember the character's name was taking the jeep and running up and down the side of this dirt hill. That was actually a community that's in, close by, and I have one of my earliest memories was being in that little coal camp community next to a railroad track and in that feed store that was in in that coal miner's daughter. I remember being personally in that feed store. Yeah, but uh, just to preference this this one thing, I rem one of the questions I was asked was why did I bend down on a train track and pick up a Coca-Cola bottle top off of a glass bottle? Hmm. Well, I heard that question, not heard it, but to, the question was like a mentally transferred. I got, I was like, well, I got really ticked off, pissed off about it. And I was hmm. like, why did you ask me something silly about that? And I, I started cussing like a sailor and said, is this what the afterlife is? This is what being dead is about. And then all the eyes closed except for two off in the distance. And uh, at that time, it, it, you know, I was surrounded by all these eyes. So I had, it was sort of illuminated a little bit, but then it got dark. But then I see this entity attached these two eyes uh floating off in the distance in front of this opal uh if you've ever seen uh, the uh, a car painting an opal yes. kind of thing it has that shimmy sheer that changes colors yeah if you, the way you look the opal had that same thing but it was always changing colors it was sort of like somebody was mixing up a paint bucket with this opal hmm. paint in it and it was a little peering into this opal. And I'm like, okay, what the hell am I in? So I was already ticked off. And I was like, well, yeah, whatever happens from this point forward, I could be either be a spectator or go and find out what the heck's going on. So I went toward, the, at this point, I still had a sense that I had a body. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, personally had a body in this experience. So the next thing I was, it was in front of it, and I was like, what are you looking at? And this entity never said a thing to me or made any kind of effort to do anything other than move away from me. And I got curious about what this person, or whatever you want to call this entity, it looked kind of grayish, greenish. Uh, it did not, it had a humanoid look about it, but it did not have the skin of human. It sort of looked like it was kind of scaly, but smooth. And uh, I said, what are you looking at? And it moved away from the opal, like giving me room to look at it. And I started looking at the opal, and I looked inside of it, and uh, there was another person, a male, uh, floating uh, similar to how I was floating, and I could hear... Uh, this person being questioned similar to the way I was being questioned. And I was like, what the hell is this about? And I didn't get any que uh, answer from it. So I got curious about it. And I reached out my right hand and touched the opal. And it was like, uh, the sensation was like putting your hand in a bucket of paint. A warm bucket mm -hmm. of paint, you know, that feeling. And I started pulling my hand out, but it was like my hand was being sucked in, or um, I've thought about this so much, or the opal just surrounded me. And 
at that point. I left out a whole lot from this point forward to get to past uh, past this question answers uh, scenario because it's a a lot of the question answers that I, I uh, endured or answered or went through, you know, doesn't really add to the story other than, you know, it was mm-hmm. a bunch of crazy, stupid stuff and poignant stuff or decisions I made in business and personal life and stuff like that. That doesn't really add to it, add to the story. But um, after I got surrounded with this <coughs> opal, whatever it was, it was like my sen- senses was overloaded. It's like being in the middle of New York City or a big, huge city, and and all you hear is cars and voices and car horns and stuff. It was sort of like that, but it was mm-hmm. on a level to the point where it, it didn't cause me pain, but I couldn't pay attention to anything. It was just bombarded with it. Heat, cold, uh, every sense was lit up that I had. And after a while... Uh, I got used to it, and it was like the um, I was in a bright room, and it kind of I got you you know you step out of a dark room and you, you get hit with a flashlight or something like that, and you uh-huh. can't see just because your your eyes are overloaded. It was sort of like that, and then all of a sudden I see this entity or a census entity, entity because it it changed my senses changed at that point. From the point where you, you know you and I are talking, I can hear you and you can hear me, and vice versa. It wasn't mm-hmm. like that anymore. It was like I can see the uh, laptop in front of me. Uh, it was like I could see it, I could feel the laptop, I could feel everything around me, and I knew what was behind the things that was in front of me, and knew where everything was all at once. And this entity was in front of me that I came to know as an angel, and the angel had a name, but it wasn't a name that you could speak. It was sort of like if you love someone and you've been around them like one of your one of your children and you're alone in a room and one of your kids walk into the room and you've got the back to the entrance where they walk into, but mm-hmm. you can feel them and you know that they're, yes. they're there. It was like that was this entity's name. Hmm. And I've uh, as I've told this story over and over again, uh, uh, I refer to this entity as Bob. <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> stupid, but instead of having to say, hey, that entity that, that doesn't have a name, I just right. stuck the name to uh, the entity. Now, whether it was a male or female, I have no clue. Uh, I don't think sex had a um, had any swaying answer there, other than this uh, entity was kind of, to the point, making me remember what I forgot before I... Oh, went to uh, live here on earth so that's that's kind of the weird thing about it i know I, every time i talk about this i say weird a lot uh, because <laughs> well, the sensation, it is weird yeah but the sensation and stuff it was like i will you know it was like all everything that i could think i you know, it's like i have a mental block right now on a lot of the stuff that happened over in in the near-death experience and at that point, so the near-death experience just barely did start from my perspective. I could feel volumes of uh, Encyclopedia Britannica's, you know, the uh, over and over again. It was like I went, spent lifetimes over there. 
And uh, one of the things that uh, a few people was keyed on, they asked me about time, my conception of time. Mm-hmm. And at that point, my conception of time was like the wind. You know, it was there, you could feel it, it could move forward, backwards, spin around the whole gambit, but it doesn't have the same hold here, you know. It could either go slow or fast, depending on your perspective, but I had control over that perspective. I could reverse time, you know, go forward, go backwards, the whole nine yards. One of the things that really, uh, that was shared with me was uh, when I was, every question I have had had to ask now prior to this opal uh, thing that i went through mm-hmm. before that i was at, i was being asked questions after this i got to ask questions and um, i got went through the whole thing but uh one of the first questions i asked was where am i and i said i got the answer back well you're in heaven i was like really Hmm. And um, then every qu- every little thing, like if I thought about where my grandfather was, about you know, at that point my grandfather had been passed um, four years ago. At that point, four or five mm-hmm. years prior to that, and I didn't see my grandfather, but I could feel where he was, and he was content and happy. Uh, and all my other family members and that had passed on friends and whatnot. I knew exactly where they were. I knew where everybody that was living was. I never went back that at the point, that point, to see where everybody was. But um, it was like having every answer I wanted answered. And there were some questions I asked that I wish I didn't get the answer for. At some at some time because it was really one of those brain teasers that I, you know that's mm-hmm. knowing the answer and going okay what does that mean because it changed my perspective after I came back of you know what my place is in this world you know how you know, what the meaning is of life uh, coming back with the full knowledge that God exists you know it's not a question it's not even um, you know if you if you're uh, Believe in God, whatever your religion is, you you believe it that the, you know, God to me exists more so than the table I'm in front of. I can sit there and peck on the on the table. God exists uh, more so than that table. Uh, so you went from believing to knowing. Yeah, there's absolute knowledge. It yeah. was just one of those. Hmm. It was. I went through a lot of turmoil believing or not believing in God prior to this. You know, I even had uh, perspectives of uh, calling myself the atheist at, at some point in my life. And, um, I, well, I'm kind of jumping back and forth uh, uh, in this tale based off of when the, between the beginning and the end because mm-hmm. I really don't know which came first or which didn't come first. Yeah. Which came first, chicken or egg? It all <laughs> all happened at once, and then again it had some uh, form of procession, and then again it didn't. I, uh, I, one of the things that I asked about was um, hell. I was like, well, what does hell look like at one point in time? And uh, this was when um, 
I got to, uh, got part of the answer of all you have to do is realize you're there and then you're there. And the next thing I knew I was in hell, but, uh, the entity that I call Bob was there beside of me mm-hmm. and it was a dark grayish kind of void of any kind of, uh, semblance of being bright and colorful and was like uh rows upon rows of levels of uh what looked like bodies but it was kind of like silhouettes if you've ever seen pictures of the um shadow people kind of thing it wasn't shadows you could actually see the 3d or feel them and they are all standing still and i i asked what what are these said well these are people that are enduring hell I was like, really? And then I was uh, uh, instructed to go and share what hell was with some of them. Now, there's two distinct persons that I remember uh, sharing their hell. And one was a lady that, uh, it was like being, uh, instead of a third person viewing it like you would view a movie, it was like you jump into their perspective, and she was reliving a uh, thing where she uh, made a decision that cost her child's life. Mm. And she got to, you know, she would get to the point where she made the decision, went through the whole gambit of uh, doing the deed that, you know, because of the decision and her child dies and she wanted to kill herself and she got to the point where she wanted to kill herself and then the whole thing started all over again but it wasn't to the point where you know she started over afresh but she was well aware that you know she was just reliving it and the whole uh negative emotions the the guilt the anger, the hurt was just compiling itself over and over and over again. And uh, I got out of that uh, sensation, and the entity, Bob, that I was with, just said, uh, uh, asked me, what's the difference between uh, you being in hell and this person being in hell? I was like, I don't know. Said so this person the, uh, has no sensation of God existing anymore. For this person, she doesn't. She's uh, without God. And I'm like, okay, it makes sense. I don't want to be in here any longer. But uh, yeah, don't blame you. Yeah, but uh, after that, uh, I went through a whole lot of uh, stuff that uh, I remember realizing what God was or who God is. Um, for whatever reason, God took me or Bob took me to the, to this ocean, beachside ocean. And I asked, uh, well, who's God? That was one of the questions. And it took me to this beach and I picked up this in, uh, Bob instructed me to, uh, pick up this rock and I picked up this rock and Bob said, Okay, and this was one of the only times that I remember physically having a hand after I went through that opal. And the rock was in my hand, and uh, I was told, okay, where did the rock come from? And I could feel and see where every atom of this rock came into existence, and then and, and where the rock was going to go after this. 
And then I said, okay, so what does this have to do with God? And then he, uh, Bob said, uh, turn it over and do it again. And for whatever reason, it clicked with me that this was part of God, the, the rock. And then I looked sort of up toward this entity and I said, are you God? And the next thing I knew, I was like, the whole sensation of knowing what God is a part of at that point just clicked. And uh, I realized that God was a part of everything I had ever been a part of, even in the point where I was uh, trying to cut God out of my life, cursing God. And that was one of the questions to God once I realized what God was, who God was. And mm -hmm. I said, God, you know, why are you allowing me in your presence? And this is one of the things that I remembered when I was talking to another uh, near-death experiencer on the phone. I was uh, uh, discussing with... Uh, uh, what brought this up? The, our mutual uh, non-fear of death. Why I don't fear death, why she didn't fear death. And I kind of questioned it, and I got hit with this whole sensation of uh, this memory, the whole gambit of uh, feeling belittled and in awe and uh, embarrassed. Uh, the whole thing of realizing that uh, the answer that God gave me after I said, why are you allowing me in front of you after trying to cut you out of my life and cursing you in this whole uh, spiel to you know, kind of compact it a little bit. Um, God said told me and showed me each time that I tried to cut him out or got out of my life uh, how close God was with me. Every time I would say, get away from me. do I don't want you in my life. Get get out of my life. I rebuke you. The whole, whole thing that you are not supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And God was like, you were just a little child, you know, throwing a tantrum. Oh. You needed me more than than ever, and it yeah. was like uh, God was, you know, literally closer than the skin on the back of my hand. So uh, at that point, I've told it enough now that I just barely tear up now just thinking about it. But when I first uh, uh, remembered it uh, with this this lady I was talking to, had uh, a not a similar but a near death experience with horses. But um, for whatever reason, when it hit me, I started crying on the phone with this lady. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I didn't, yeah. mean, didn't mean to do this. Now, there's some aspects in, uh, that I will go through and remember uh, bits and pieces of my near-death experience. And, and a lot of it, you know, I still do it to a certain extent now, but I haven't had this um, uh, uh, sudden burst of, oh, how in the world did I forget that? But that was one of those, well, how in the world did I forget that? Mm -hmm. you know, why and why uh, God allowed me back in his presence? And uh, that was one of those awe-inspiring moments that really I think about a lot. Uh, I think about my near-death experience every day, if, uh, multiple times during the day, wondering, well, what in the world is going on? I remember uh, being, one of the things that uh, 
to highlight this experience was um, my sister was talking about uh, my father had passed on the day that I was released out of the hospital. I was in the hospital for three months after uh, my initial amputation. Actually, there was two amputations. They did a below-the-knee amputation the following day. They did above the knee. And I was unaware of that until I woke up. And um, But at that point, my sister was saying my dad, uh, he was still alive at the time, mm-hmm. would come up. And he'd had a series of strokes and heart attacks and stuff. And it kind of robbed him of his ability to physically uh, be able to walk like he used to and talk. And he, he lost a lot of his language uh, center in his, in his in his brain, so it was difficult to understand him at times. And my sister said he came up quite often while I was in ICU unit. He actually came up when I was in um, a long-term care facility at another hospital uh, addressing my uh, recovery. But uh, when she mentioned that he was in the waiting room, I knew the waiting room, and then I remember being... Um, there at the point when my dad asked my sister, don't keep anything from me about Sean. You know, mm-hmm. At that time, they were giving uh, my family, for the first three or four days I was in coma, they were giving me no chance. They said, don't, don't, uh, don't hope for anything. Because they were wow. having difficult keeping me alive because I was so um, sick at the time. Is that is that with the infection? Yeah, that was an infection. Yeah. Um, one of the key things that, you know, while you're on life support, they uh, do a lot of things to, you know, give you fluids and nutrition, all this thing. Mm-hmm. And if you're really sick, you got to put a, a what's called a central line, which is in uh, your neck. And they pick a large board needle and put it in your neck because that's the, the biggest vessel they can access to be able to... Um, give you the needed drugs and whatnot. And they couldn't even get that in me for a day or two. Wow. They just so happened to have um, uh, a needle in, I think, one of my arms. I can't remember. And they they just kept that going for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I don't know what it was. But it took a few days, two or three days, that they weren't giving hope for me at all to be alive. But when my sister told me, about my dad uh, saying, you know, don't uh, hold anything back from me, don't hide anything back from me. And I can remember being there with them for whatever reason. You know, I've, I've thought about this to the point where, you know, I was very, very, uh, I was the sickest I'd ever been, and plus I had all kinds of uh, drugs in me. Mm-hmm. and kind of wondering, well, could I be, since I was in a coma, could this be some sort of figment of my imagination? I've done a lot of research on it, and there, there is a, a lot of reports and a lot of stuff on it, but it says that your brain and your spirit are, are separate from the infection that you have that you're enduring while you're in a coma. Uh, so I've thought about it, and this whole, whole thing is so real to me. It, it, it actually happened. My near-death experience happened to me, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that have had near-death experiences that can concur with me that uh, it was you're separated entirely from your body. Now, I've I've been with uh, uh, before I had this, where I was a respiratory therapist. I've been with a couple people that had near-death experiences after or shared it with me after they've um, 
I've resuscitated them. Yeah, they were, one was actually pronounced dead. Uh, but I'll get into that later if we've got enough time. But uh, anyway, sure. the um, uh, I remember being there with my father and my sister, and I s- said, I think I was there with you. And my sister kind of teared up a little bit, and um, I'm, I'm, I probably need to talk to her a little bit more before I share a whole lot with this. But uh, it was one of those poignant times when I get this sensation now before that I was I had no recollection uh, recollection of uh, being near around my physical body at that time that was the closest I remember being around the body I wasn't floating above my body or anything Mm -hmm. like that that I remember at all that was there was another time that uh, for whatever reason I uh, have um, I was shown where I was going to be buried. Uh, our family has a couple of plots in this huge uh, uh, graveyard that is um, my grandfather and my grandmother are now buried there, and my father and my uncle are buried there. And I remember uh, being laid to rest next to my uncle and my father. And my father at the time was still alive, and I'm like, okay. But the weird thing was I had um, my um, headstone had rocks on top of it, which mm-hmm. at the time I didn't know what it was because I didn't know the Jewish tradition of leaving rocks on headstones. I'm like, yep. well, I'm not Jewish. Yeah. Uh, but It's not uh, just the Jewish that do that. Um, it's just to let others know and to let the person that you're visiting know that you've been there. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Uh, I was like, well, that's weird. I've never seen, you know, I was never one to um, pay attention to that thing, that sort of thing. But I'm like, why would people leave uh, rocks on my headstone? But the other thing was my father was buried right next to me. And I'm like, wow. And I went through the whole um, uh, procession of time of what happens to the area that was buried in and Saw it kempt for a while and then overgrown with trees and forgotten and back and forth. And I don't know why I was shown that, but maybe it was just to show that people actually uh, do remember people. I mm-hmm. guess. I don't know. But, let's see. The near-death experiences that I am aware of. Let's see. Do you have any <clears throat> questions so far? Or you just want me to ramble on about this? Oh, you're not rambling. This is totally amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, one of the other things that um, I was being shown uh, by Bob and God uh, was um, how everything's connected. The whole universe was connected. Mm-hmm. And that came back to the point where you, know, you just got to realize that you're there. And I'm like, okay, sure. And... One minute I would, you know, be physically where I was with God, and I could be like at the headstone of my future grave or wherever. And um, I remember, let's see, one I had the thought in my head, and then it just collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, uh, when when that happens to me, I just say my train of thought uh, my, went, so my train derailed. derailed. <laughs> Yeah, it just derailed. Um, <laughs> let's see. I met so many entities. Um, 
it human and not human and uh, angels, demons. I actually met the devil. I guess that would you know, derailed off onto this. But uh, how how these entities communicated was uh, they allowed to transfer or express their entire life or parts of their life or whatever their experience was to you instantly. Uh, and most, you know, I ran into a few entities that didn't want to share much. And then uh, I came in the Satan or devil or whatever you want to call it. It was, it was the darkest thing I've ever been around, mm. ever. And it shared with me some things. But I could uh, sense that it was hiding a lot of things. It was like, uh, I hate to say this because my girlfriend used to be a car salesman. Well, she was a, um, a over a car dealership to a certain extent. She was mm-hmm. the sales manager. And I hate to say this, but it was like talking to a used car salesman. <laughs> you know, they're trying to sell you something. <laughs> Yeah, but they're not going to tell you the bad yeah, things. They're going to tell you all the bad things about. It. <laughs> yeah. But uh, other thing, I, I could I could feel you know like hey I'm really personable. Uh, you you could grow to like this thing, but you could feel like this sensation like I'm going to tear you apart. I want mm-hmm. everything that you want, every need. I want everything about you. And uh, one of the departing. Uh, key things that I think about a lot was uh, when I departed from this entity, or whatever you want to call it, the, the deepest, darkest entity that I've ever been in front of, mm-hmm. um, this thing said, when you get back, you'll remember what I've shared with you when you need to remember it. And, I've been, and I'm like, okay. And I didn't even think about it, not as often as... I do. Today is actually the first time I thought about it in a month or two. But I'm wondering, what in the world did I forget that this thing didn't uh, shared with me? And I don't remember now. Mm. And that's one. At, at first, I thought, well, when I came back, I'm I'm not scared like I was of the paranormal. I've been around paranormal a lot in my life. And, you know, the house I live in is is um, haunted uh, by no stretch of the imagination. It's definitely haunted. My family actually won't allow uh, the toddlers in our family to go upstairs because the upstairs haunted by a little old lady. I remember you telling me that, yeah. Yeah. Wow. But uh, one of the key things was I thought, well, maybe that's the reason why I'm not scared of the paranormal because of my encounter with uh, this devil thing or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought about it and I accepted it for a little bit until I remembered... Uh, my encounter with God and uh, why God allowed me back in God's presence. And then I was like, oh, that's why I'm not afraid of dying or the paranormal or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one of the things that I was trying to... My um, live stream that I was doing last night, when I was asking the people that were going uh, um, on these... Ghost hunts. What mm-hmm. do they do it for? Is it for fun? Is it just curiosity? Do you want to have a rise out of it? What happens when you come back and there's something with you? What What do you do? And mm-hmm. I actually had a dream about this last night. Uh, really? Yeah. 
And uh, I think I was with Bob last night. Now, you know, my dreams used to be all of nothing but indie stuff forever mm-hmm. and day. And then in the last half year, year. Oh, just, been... just to cut you off for a second, uh, folks, in case you don't know what NDE is, it's near-death experience. So oh, yeah. uh, just to let people experience. know. Yep. You can so, still say NDE. I just want to let, make sure that they, they knew they what, that what that was. Yeah. Okay. So um, back to, I just lost my train of thought again. The near-death experience <laughs> with... Um, <laughs> Bob. You were with Bob. Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the dream I had last night was why, you know, I went to bed and I talked uh, over this with uh, uh, one of the guests called me back after the show and told me some uh, interesting stories, which I'm not going to share because I said I wasn't going to share with them. But yeah, fair enough. Uh, the question was, why do people go out and ex- try to experience this? And it's like, well, you know, from my perspective, I know the other side exists beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know things float around and visit you and this, that, and the other. I know that without a shadow of doubt. And why do you go out and do this? And and I tossed it around in my head and talked to, about this with my girlfriend, Terry, uh, <clears throat> several times. But we really got into it last night about it. And I went to bed. I guess that was on my mind. And I got the answer was, well, people were trying to answer that question. Does God exist? Now, to me, God exists. And if they've come to the conclusion God doesn't exist and they're atheist or whatever uh, perspective they are on the flip side of the coin or no coin at all from whether they believe it or not, um, does it, you know, to me it doesn't matter to go out and hunt ghosts. That, that you know, it's, it's, what, what do I need to say here? I want to put it out there that, you know, hmm. ghosts exist and spirits exist and demons exist and the whole shebang. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe that, but I'm not going to go hunting for them. I'm not going to go, hey, I'm going to go take this EVP meter or this mail meter or whatever or um, try to record something. Although I've got a lot of security cameras in my house, and I've caught some stuff on security cameras, but the security cameras aren't there for catching things. It's a, it was like a, if somebody breaks in or something like that, I'll have some some knowledge of what's going on in here with with me being you know uh, handicapped. Mm-hmm. At least I know if I if I hear something or something's going on outside, and I want to know what's going on outside, I don't have to get up to go look for it. I all I have to do is flip over my phone and look but uh i'm not looking specifically for stuff yeah that's paranormal but i've seen a lot of paranormal stuff in here yeah you showed me some of the footage i ain't showed uh i haven't even showed terry most of the footage i've got over a gig of you know short videos and stuff wow happened in here but uh the one thing that um I was plagued for a while. When I first started doing this uh, podcast with Chasing the Truth, mm-hmm. I started having a lot of upticks in paranormal activity around me. Even like uh, last year, uh, around uh, Halloween, I was in this uh, voice chat room on Discord. And we were uh, telling ghost stories. And I started telling ghost stories. And everybody was asking me, well, tell us another ghost story. So I wound up telling ghost stories for like three hours straight. Wow. And, and I actually called in to um, 
Heather Wade's show during mm-hmm. that night and got on and told a ghost story that wasn't related to the ghost stories I was telling. <laughs> and wow. went back and started telling ghost stories. But the weird thing was, uh, during this, I felt scratches on the back of the only little, you know, calf I've had, I've got now. Mm-hmm. And I reached down and I was like, well, what was that? And I pull up, you know, I'm sitting in a wheelchair, which doesn't have any sharp edges and my hands bloodied. Wow. And I've actually got pictures of the, uh, of that night, took a picture of the back of my calf and it looks like five claw marks, uh, on the back of my leg. And I actually, uh, was talking about one of the, I had, uh, talked to Dark Waters. I did a couple radio shows with him, and one of the radio shows, he was telling me about a particular demon. And he named a demon on air, and I, I, I told the story about it. And I uh, retold that story again on that particular night on Halloween, and I and all the other paranormal stories that was uh, relating, which was all uh, relative to me. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I experienced all of those those particular stories, and um, <laughs> and I wound up with that, and I'm like, well, how in the world did I stop doing this? You know, I know I got uh, started doing this because of my near-death experience, the NDE, started doing this uh, online stuff to kind of share my perspective uh, of the world and paranormal or whatever interests me at the time. Uh, how did I stop this particular thing. So I started really talking to God about it. And I said, what do I need to do to stop uh, these paranormal upticks? You know, I've had stuff mm-hmm. like uh, I had a, um, a shelf, a little mini shelf with a picture of Jesus Christ on it. That's sitting in my, used to be in my hallway outside my bedroom that uh, had been nailed up there for over a decade. And one night I was talking to Gary Anderson on his show, and I told ghost stories on his show for two hours right before this, I think. Yeah, it was right before this, about a month before the, the incident I was telling you about. And um, uh, I looked on the, what happened was the shelf and the picture fell down on top of this hallway uh, table, and uh, the plate glass on the uh, picture was shattered with the picture of Jesus Christ uh, facing up. I was like, well, you know, if you're into, if you're that disgusted by a picture of Jesus Christ, I'll just leave it there. I left it there for a few days. Didn't even clean up the glass around it. And then I started praying about it. And so what, you know, I know I need to do this particular podcast, radio show or whatever, Mm you know, what do I need to do to, do I need to tell, uh, not do something or do something in addition? And then I got, I got this uh, message. I know a lot of people think, well, if you get messages from God, you're crazy. But I got a message from God said, well, how did you talk to me uh, during a near-death experience? And I was like, oh, okay, I got you. Mm-hmm. So I've changed up how I pray to God to a certain extent, especially when uh, uh, something paranormal has happened. And honestly, after I've done that, I did that particular uh, change in how I pray, a lot of the paranormal stuff that happens, especially after I talk to certain people 
on my shows. Um, I've talked to a couple people that the paranormal activity in this house just goes way up. And uh, <laughs> DW, you're one of them, and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh um nah i'm just making i'm not i'm telling the truth but i'm making fun of it but anyway yeah uh after i change up how i pray the paranormal activity around here actually has subsided quite a bit i don't have the you know things being tossed around or I still hear occasionally disembodied voices and stuff in the house and i have not had an encounter with that uh uh, the lady ghost upstairs in, since uh, last year, actually. So, hmm. You think she's still there, just quiet? or? No, I think she left. Hmm. Um, uh, have you heard the story about uh, me encountering that lady the first time I was in hmm. college? I'm, I don't think so. Okay. I know this is off the topic of near-death experiences, but you know, it kind of dovetails into it a little bit, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was going to college, and I was living here with my grandparents. This used to be my grandparents' house, and this is an old house, like 110, 120 years old. It was owned by the first grocers of the area. Uh, the actual footprint of the old grocery store is you know, literally uh, 40 feet from where I'm sitting now. Outside oh, nice. There. But it was raised down uh, right before my grandparents took ownership of the property. And I remember my grandparents actually did a, like a, a property swap. Uh, they lived right next door. Their property line butted up against the property line of this house, and they kind of swapped the thing. So I've 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 got uh, a lot of knowledge of this house growing up, mm-hmm. and I remember this little old lady that used to live in this house that was a hundred and some years old by the time she passed away. And I remember this little old lady coming out. Uh, with a little bonnet, sun bonnet, and a big house coat in the middle of growing season. She come out uh, several times to check on her son, which was the age of my grandfather at the time, was growing uh, tomatoes or something in, in the backyard. She'd come out and inspect, to, you know, inspect the garden or something like that. But uh, this uh, little pit is a offshoot of the actual story of who that little lady upstairs was. So one night I was about 20 some years ago, I was coming home from a clinical and respiratory therapy at a, a hospital. And it was between midnight and 1 a.m. when I walked to the door. And my bedroom was upstairs, uh, but uh, I usually come home on those nights when I was you know, come home late from wherever. I would try to be as quiet as possible and go upstairs without turning on lights or making noises and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. Top of the staircase, there is this um, picture window, and I was using the lamp light from the street lamps outside to you know make my way up and go to bed. So I made my way up uh, about the third or fourth step, and I look up at the top of the stairs, and there's this five-foot lady looking down at me in period garb, a dress that was long all the way down to her ankles, and it was gray, and had a, she had a blouse on with a high-collar neck and a cameo pendant around her neck. And she was staring me down like, who are you and what are you doing in my house? Oh, wow. And it wasn't one of those you look and look away and back and she's gone. I'm looking at this lady for a good 45 seconds before I 
you know, obviously I'm feeling for a switch and going, what in the heck's this thing? And I'm mm-hmm. my lock to this thing or this little lady looking at me because she had, you know, she had her hair up in a bun on top of her head and I could you know, make out most of her expression on her face. She was like mad, kind of mad looking. Kind of, what are you doing here? I didn't mm-hmm. hear anything from her. So I was reaching for the serial switch was down at the first step and I started losing my footing before I fell. I looked back and my hand was just inches away from the actual light switch, flipped it on, looked upstairs and the thing was gone. Jeez. Now, um, family members have had encounters with uh, this lady. Uh, the last encounter I had, uh, anybody had besides me was uh, my niece um, at the, came and went upstairs to do something. I can't remember what it was. But she went upstairs to do something, come back down and said, Uncle Sean, there, <laughs> there's something upstairs, and it was like this heavy feeling. I was like, I'm sorry. I, I, I'll try to do something about it. And this was before all this stuff happened. Well, it was one of the things why I was praying about uh, what do I need to do to get rid of all this crap that's going on in this house mm-hmm. and uh we talked about a lot of stuff that happened in the house my sister was here at the time my uh niece and my two great nephews and they wouldn't allow the uh, nephews upstairs and they were really adamant about not allowing uh one of them uh, he's now almost five but he was one of those little spitballs of energy that just wanted to go <laughs> everywhere and didn't care <laughs> He was testing his boundary, so he was. You could hear him stomping up the stairs and you know, do the quick "I'm sorry" and then go back right at it. Uh, <laughs> Who was he saying "I'm sorry" to? Uh, whoever was scolding him to stop doing whatever he's doing. No, just <laughs> uh, wondering, would it be the 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 old lady or would it be no, his parents? No, it was, it was my my niece, okay. I think, yeah. or my sister. I don't know, but there right. was a lot of that going on, and hmm. uh, my younger. Uh, uh, great nephew was you know he was he was running through the house hollering spongebob spongebob <laughs> but uh, the little old lady i've had encounters with several times the last one was about this time last year after that i went upstairs for whatever reason uh, i think what i went upstairs to do was open the top windows the the, the heating and cooling in this in this old house is still based off a of wool-based heat oh yeah and I've got uh, air conditioners in, in window air conditioners. So I've got to go upstairs when it starts getting hot and raise the uh, couple windows upstairs to let the air circulate it down because mm-hmm. it's oppressively hot up there. I can imagine. So, so I boot scooted up there. And uh, at the top of the stairs, there's was this ghost lady. But at the top of the stairs is Old Britannica, 1968 edition of Encyclopedia Britannica. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I wonder what they thought about uh, UFOs and ghosts back then in 1968. So I found the the volume that had UFOs in it. And then it was like two pages, you know, of what UFOs are in this Encyclopedia Britannica. And I was like, kind of going, wow, this is cool. And just, you know, regaling myself of what they thought about this particular topic back in 1968. And then I felt something reach toward me and touched my left shoulder and the whole entire uh, everything went black 
around me. It was pitch black. It was the middle of the day, about noonish. Middle of the day, di- uh, daylight, and there was, an, you know, I think, cl- mostly clear, clear day, but hot. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing was like pitch black. Like uh, when I uh, referenced uh, the start of my uh, near death experience, it was pitch black. It was similar mm-hmm. to that. And I said, I don't want to be touched. And I said that out loud. Please do not touch me. And then everything went. Uh, you know, the darkness. You could dissipated. see again. Yeah, I could yeah. see again. And then this was after uh, my. Uh, discussion with my niece and ne- or niece and sister about what was going on upstairs and I said you're scaring a lot of people you're not scaring me and I said uh, we had mm-hmm. you know I had a um, uh, discussion sort of said I didn't bother you you didn't bother me and I was cool with it but now you're now the kids are involved this is not cool mm-hmm. you need to go back and do uh, you know, this is not your house anymore nobody that you know, other than her great grandkids are still alive, I think. Two boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and said everybody else is, has passed on. You need to go find them. Uh, and then the sensation of her, this entity or whatever you want to call it, left. And I haven't felt it since then. Uh, my girlfriend actually is really sensitive to the paranormal too. And she's like, I don't even feel her anymore. And I was like, well, that's mm. a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. But she, she, uh, the first time she came here, she was one of the, uh, she uh, was really spooked of downstairs in the basement, which mm-hmm. a lot of activity goes downstairs, goes on downstairs, even today. I still hear some pecking and stuff going on. I don't really pay attention to it, but uh, I remember uh, opening up the basement door and, and she peering downstairs, and I don't want to go down there. And I was like, well, there's nothing down there. <laughs> I don't want to go down there. <laughs> so uh if she does hear this she's going to probably um correct me in some of the storytelling points uh that i uh she is a, she's one of the few people that has heard most not most has heard the most about my near-death experience ever and she asked me to repeat certain stories uh, that she she constantly says, well, tell me a new story. And then I'll tell her a new story. And she says, no, I want to hear about this one. I was like, well, y'all just told you that a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Yeah, you wanted a new one. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, I get a lot of storytelling practice around her. So, but uh, wow. uh, the little old lady upstairs has not been back. I haven't heard her. Um, at one time um, before this, before my near-death experience and having to move back in, into this house because of my handicap and, you know, healing from the handicap mm-hmm. was um, I used to hear someone uh, sing old hymns, you know, hmm. from a Southern Baptist hymnal. Right. You know, if you ever heard them sing without music, you know, that yes. sea-songy kind of yes. rhythmic cadence that uh, you could hear with somebody. There was a female voice, uh, on Sundays, when I uh, when I was going to college and doing clinicals and stuff, I was working ungodly hours and going to school full time. Sundays was my day to sleep in, mm-hmm. so that was one of those great days that you could sleep in. And um, one day on Sunday, I was sleeping in, and I heard um, early in the morning, it was probably after church time because nobody was in the house I was aware of. I heard somebody singing, a female singing uh, a hymn. 
And I thought, well, my grandfather was notorious to have old FM radios all over the house, portable or non-portable or whatever. And I thought, well, he just left one of those things on and had it on a gospel station. I was like, okay, I'll just leave it at that. And I fell asleep listening to this female sing gospel. And I got up and I heard my grandparents coming back from church. And I was like, and then I smelled KFC chicken. I was like, (laughs) well, I'm hungry. I might as well get up. So I went downstairs, did my business, and said, hey, Granny, uh, did you turn off that radio that was on? And she's like, there wasn't no radio on in here. And I was like, yeah, one of Papa's radios is on. I was here in uh, the station where the um, gospel station. She said, no, I don't hear anything, Sean. You'll have to ask George, which was my grandfather's name, uh-huh. when he comes in. And he walks in, and I asked him about it, and I s- and said, one of your radios <laughs> is on, Papa." And uh, he's like, no, I turned all my radios off. And I said, where's that? He had this little radio that was the size of your hand. And I asked him where that was. And I was in the kitchen, and he was between the kitchen and the dining room. And he reached behind the thing like you're pulling a rabbit out of a hat. And he, was, mm-hmm. he pulled out this radio right behind the wall and said, this? And he said, I said, yeah. He said, no, that's not on. I was like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> So, now, did but, they uh, ever hear anything? Uh, I've talked to a lot of. We don't. It's one of those things. Uh, the the discussion about the paranormal activity in this house. I've only had a heart to heart with my sister and my niece about it, mm-hmm. but I've talked to other people in in the family and friends that have visited that uh, they don't necessarily hear people singing or seeing uh, the little old lady upstairs, but they're. The consensus is there's something upstairs, mm-hmm. uh, the little lady thing. I've had uh, discussions with family members that have felt or seen something upstairs quite often. But I don't know. I know it's calmer now than it has ever been, especially uh, um, since I started li- living here. I remember mm-hmm. one day when I was in, uh, just had been here for maybe a month, and I was in a wheelchair, and I was in this room here that I'm in now as my bedroom, talking on, the, talking to you. And I was next to uh, chest, the Chester doors next to the front door, and I had parked, uh, you know, to sit there. I don't know what I was doing. I was sitting still. And then all of a sudden, I feel something push me from behind, almost to the point where I was starting to roll forward. And I was like, what in the heck was that? And I mm-hmm. looked back to see if anything was behind me, and there was nothing behind me. And uh, I didn't think anything of it, and I was still, you know, kind of medicated at that point. I said, well, maybe I was just seeing or feeling things. But I, was, I, I can actually remember feeling something push me forward from behind to the point where I was about ready to roll forward. And uh, I had seen one other time another person in this house react to like something pushed them from behind, like their shoulder, and push them forward. And they actually looked at me like, you know, I was sitting across from this person and uh, looked at me like... Uh, were you, did you do that to me? And they kind of looked and said, no, there was no way because I wasn't close enough to do that to them. Mm-hmm. Something I, I was talking to this person, uh, at that time. And this person kind of like somebody from behind took their hand and pushed their left shoulder forward in a, you know, while they're sitting on the couch. And, uh, 
So he kind of startled the person. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, nope, it wasn't me. <laughs> hmm, that's amazing. Yeah. So. But do you find that you're getting more experiences after your NDE or did you have them before? I had them before. Uh, <laughs> but now it's, it's, it's more robust to the experience than when I do have them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last real experience that I had here, I seen a full body, uh, apparition that I never seen before in my living room. I was in the kitchen. Uh, I could see through my kitchen, through the dining room to the living room, a straight mm-hmm. shot. And there was this guy standing in the living room, uh, with rolled up sleeves, uh, you know, a long shirt rolled up sleeves looking at me. And I was, you know, just had turned around to do to make coffee or something. I looked and I was like, and then glanced and looked back up and it was gone. I was like, ah. And I started uh, doing a uh, prayer and rebuking whatever it was. And I call mm-hmm. that one one of those straggler visitors, like somebody walks in and says, "What's going on here?" Yep. Kind of thing. And I hadn't seen that before, but no. And since, I haven't seen anything since then, but I still see shadows every once in a while uh, in in the house, and then I'll do some prayer work, and boom, it's gone. Yeah. Good. Uh, but uh, I've talked to several people about shadow people in this house and are seeing shadows in this house that is unexplained. Now, I've seen it quite often. I uh, haven't seen, well, the last time I seen a shadow thing was maybe a few days ago in the hallway. And kind of, well, did I see that or didn't I see that? Yeah. <laughs> That's how it always is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one day I woke up, I woke up in bed <clears throat> and um, there was this kind of like four foot tall shadow thing standing they're looking at me in the bed and I, you know, I woke up and I wasn't scared of it. I was like, well, uh, I'm going to find out. I, I said this out loud. I said, I'm going to find out if I can stick a broomstick up your ass. And it took <laughs> off. It, it, wow. it, it didn't make any noise, but it, it lunged toward the, uh, toward the front door or the door to my bedroom and out it went. And I hadn't seen it since, but I hadn't seen anything to that extent since because I saw it for a few seconds and I just sort of looked at it and I raised up and said that to it and it left. So, <laughs> and a lot uh, of times when you address them that way and show that you're not afraid of them, they're just like, okay, I'm out. I'm out. Get, yeah. get out of the way. I don't know what it was doing. If it was trying to figure out how loud can I snore while I'm asleep? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Pinch your nose while you're snoring or something. <laughs> 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 you remind me of something funny, but I'm not going to tell that one. But, okay. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, heck, I'll I'll tell it. If, okay. Uh, Terry gets mad at me for telling this. There's one night <laughs> as she was staying with me, and she woke me up and stuffed gas X pills in me. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "Here, take this." And I was like, "What is it? So gas X pills? You're killing me." <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, Terry, I'm sorry, but I had to say it. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Well, do you know an hour has gone by, Sean? Really? Yeah. Yeah, there it is. So, I know. So, I would absolutely love to have you back at some point, because I know you still have a lot in you to tell. Oh, yeah. If I start getting into telling stories, I can tell them until somebody says, shut up, Sean. (laughs) Shut up, Sean. (laughs) Okay. 
<laughs> so before we go, why don't you tell us about your show? My show is called Chasing the Truth. Uh, from the normal to the paranormal, meaning I, I, it doesn't have to be a paranormal topic. It can be just about any any topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. You know, I've been doing some live shows that are open lines here lately because my guests have, uh, you know, you've, you've experienced this. Your guests kind of fall out or whatever mm-hmm. uh, pops open. So I've been doing some open line stuff. And I've had some interesting guests call in, tell some crazy uh, stories. That yeah, that last yeah. week. Oh, that woman, I loved her. Yeah, she was. Uh, she actually was on that for about an hour and a half, I think. Yeah, she yep. she was just one of those people that you know, you you start listening to her story, and you're like, yeah, you got plenty of stories. Let's keep on going. Yeah, uh, but uh, it's fantastic. It's part of the Dark Waters Radio Network, which your your show's on the Dark Waters Radio Network. Yep. And uh, I started uh, uh, plus on the Paranormal Radio app. You just go and click on the par- if you're on the browser. It's on the Paranormal Radio side of things on the TalkStream or is it TalkStreamLive.com? I can't remember. I can't remember. But if you download the Paranormal Radio app, go to the Dark Waters Radio channel, and I'll be there Saturday nights at 7 p.m. Central Time, and I'm on on repeat same time every day of the week, except mm-hmm. for Saturdays, because your show live. pops in. Yeah. yeah. Saturdays I'm live, and Sundays I'm not on there because you know, the uh, show roundup or change-up, lineup change-up changes mm. with you and then the real deals. On Sundays. Yeah. So, uh, but the other thing is, I'm on UPRN 107.7 FM out of New Orleans, and there's also iHeartRadio with uh, uh, UPRN on iHeartRadio, too, same time, live. And hopefully from now on, I'll be live every Saturday night at 7 p.m. Central Time, unless something happens. Yeah, that'll be nice. Yeah. And you're also on IamDarkWaters.com. Can't forget that one. Yeah, (laughs) IamDarkWaters.com. My repository is actually there. Of old shows is right there. And if you can't find where to listen to my show or uh, your show, you can go to imdarkwaters.com, and there's actually a, a little browser uh, player on there. You just click on there, and you can listen to the current uh, live feed of mm-hmm. what's playing on I Am Dark Waters. Nice. So that's it. But if you, folks, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, go uh, just send me an email, Sean, G-S-H-A-W-N, G, all one word, at imdarkwaters.com, and this go directly to my inbox. Or you can call me directly at 931-994-6917. Or if you like doing Skype, it's Chasing the Truth 2018. You can either send me a text message that way, or however you want to do it, that's fine. I love listening to uh, the folks that uh, hopefully... I've got growing listeners, so if you want to share a story with me that I can share or bring you on live, you know, on the nights I'll go live, just call me. That's why I'm looking for anybody's experience. I want to share everybody's experience that they want to share. That's part of my prerogative with with the, uh, the show lineup. Yeah, and it's not just ghosts; it's cryptids as well, and UFOs. You um, you talk about it all. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, other than taboo subjects or something like that but you now i talk about anything and everything uh, yep. i may do a conspiracy show in the near future i don't know there's a lot nice. of conspiracy theories out there but the uh, uh, sure fbi are. just came out with a um, conspiracy theorists they're highly looking at these people 
for whatever reason, nationally, hmm. uh, for the United States. I don't, I've read a couple of stories on it. I was like, really? That's Seriously? interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I'm not a QAnon person, if you ever heard of QAnon. I tried to follow them for a little bit, and then I was like, you have to eat, drink, and sleep the subject matter that QAnon uh, talks about. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I can't put that much effort into that. You know, like, I'm, you know, I'm too interested in everything around me mm-hmm. and micromanage my attention to talk or, or even follow along what QAnon is following along. Now, I know folks that do. God bless them for it. But I just don't have the attention span for, for that subject matter. Yeah. <laughs> Fair <laughs> but, enough. Yeah. But, uh, well. I'll be adding the uh, links on the show notes for the show. And, folks, if you're not quite sure how to get in touch with Sean, um, you can always send me an email as well at paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. And I can uh, send the message to him and uh, get you two acquainted so you guys can chat. Yeah. If you want me on your show, just uh, let me know. If, you, if you're if you a podcast person or radio show host or whatever, if you want me to come on your, your podcast or radio show or whatever, and tell stories, I can certainly do that. Nice. Okay, well, thank you so much, Sean. This was so intriguing. Well, I hope to talk to you again if you want to do another near-death experience show or if you want me Definitely. to do another paranormal show or whatever. I don't care. I'll talk yeah. to you. Nice. Uh, just uh, give me some coffee, and uh, I'll talk to you as long, <laughs> as, uh, as, long as the coffee holds out. <laughs> I call coffee the sweet ambrosia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, well, thanks again, Sean. Well, thank you, Kat. We'll stay in touch. All right. Take Take care. care. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to purpleplanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 